Love Talk Radio. Women have the power to transform this world. We can end crime and violence if we all agree to do one thing. Share. Let's share our wisdom, share our time, share our talents, share our finances, but most of all, let's share our love. This is The Female Solution. Join me, Naima Latif, every morning, 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. Central Standard Time, as we bring you stimulating discussions about the issues affecting our lives. If you're listening online at www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash the-female-solution, press the blue button that says follow and get our daily topics every morning directly to your email and your smartphone. Hi, I'm Naima Latif, executive producer of the Female Solution Radio Show. We invite you to call in 515-605-9325 and participate in this daily think tank as we examine the challenges we face and develop solutions that restore peace and harmony. We are global transformers, changing the world from the way it is to the way it should be. We are one. Wherever we live on this earth, we are one human family. On behalf of our team of radio hosts, I'd like to extend a greeting to all the members of our family, whenever and wherever you may be listening around the world. To our family in China, Ni Hao. In India, Namaste. In Japan, Konnichiwa. In Korea, Annyeonghaseyo. In Russia, Zdrastutsye. In Germany, Guten Tag. In Poland, Dzień Dobry. In France, Bonjour. In Spain, Hola. In Italy, Ciao. In Egypt, Athen Wasalan. In Ghana, Akwaba. In Nigeria, Peleo. In South Africa, Salvona. In Senegal, Nangadet. In Kenya, Jambo. In Israel, Shalom. In Pakistan, Afghanistan, and Saudi Arabia, Assalamu alaikum. Greetings, and may peace be upon you all.
Hallelujah, hallelujah. Welcome, welcome to this December 2nd, no, December 3rd. We are in the number, vibrating in the number nine uh, this evening. We're going to give birth to a renewed mind. Yes, a renewed mind because it's so needed. We still have a war going on, bombing in the Middle East. It was a temporary ceasefire, but now they found a way to bring more hell into our lives, into the people in Palestine's lives, and then all over the world. We have people who just can't stop fighting and bombing and killing. So tonight, we want you to join in the discussion about where does the road to hell really begin? This is the the thought that came to my mind as I reviewed the YouTube videos and the news and discovered that both Israel and or Hamas are back at it again. Boom, 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 boom. Sadness uh, uh, rose up, uh, just questioning why, why, why. So we've got a new battle. The war hasn't ended, but the battle ended. So now we have a new battle. And I want to suggest to us all that this is the time for a renewed mind. New battle, same old war, but we're going to renew our mind. And we're going to do it with the help of a man who was very influential in my life, Carlton Pearson. He's a bishop. He's a pastor. And for many years, I listened to this man's sermons and listened to his singing. He has, had a beautiful voice. But he passed away uh, last month, and they had a, a, a ceremony, a memorial ceremony for him this week, I believe, or last week. And just all the memories of my journey, um, not just with um, Christianity, but uh, just my journey to become more spiritual, actually. Now, Carlton Pearson came from a background very similar to my own, the Church of God in Christ. That was my grandfather's church that he started in uh, Olmstead, Illinois, a little town in southern Illinois. And I was in that town uh, every year from the time I was born. As a baby, my mother carried me and my sisters on the train. We went on the train uh, from Chicago to Southern Illinois, and we stayed with my grandfather, sent to his preaching every Sunday, every Wednesday, whatever. And just he was a beautiful man. And um, hearing about Carlton Pearson's passing, This brought up all kinds of memories for me in the Church of God in Christ, in my grandfather's church. Now, in Chicago, there was all – Church of God in Christ is huge all over the country. It's mostly an African-American congregation, denomination. And um, they even had Emmett Till. If you know who Emmett Till is, his funeral uh, was held at the Church of God in Christ in Chicago. So – it's a huge um, denomination, and it just so happens that Carlton Pearson also came up or started in the Church of God in Christ. So I want to start tonight with a little history about this man who was just a beautiful soul. And um, he transitioned from the hell and brimstone fiery preacher 
to a man who was teaching about consciousness at the end of his life and who came to believe that there was not a hell out there uh, at all. And I'm like, yeah, I'm thinking after looking at Palestine situation and looking, reviewing some of the hell that people go through here on earth, ah, we're asking the question tonight, where does the road to hell really begin? And where does it end? And uh, uh, confidentially or honestly, where does the road to hell begin and end? We're going to ask that question. So I want to introduce for some of you who may not know who Carlton Pearson was. I really uh, want to take this time to introduce you to this beautiful soul who has now become an ancestor. And uh, I watched his uh, farewell ceremony or going home ceremony, and it was just a beautiful expression, dedication um, to a man who meant so much to so many people. Oh, just beautiful. And it's all on um, it's all on uh, YouTube if you want to watch it. So let me introduce you to Carlton Pearson whose ministry failed after he declared that hell didn't exist. We're giving away free... So we want you to uh, take away from this show today a renewed mind, please. We, We want you to have a renewed mind about your faith, your belief, and hopefully come to... Uh, do something uh, beautiful, loving, kind every day to offset the hell that is going on uh, around us or in the Middle East particularly so that we can make a difference, as Carlton Pearson did. He, he just, I'm sure he made a difference in so many lives uh, that I will, that's why I'm sharing tonight his transition from hell with fire and brimstone to, eh, I don't think there's any hell. So here's a, the first uh, of many audios that I want to present to you about this beautiful soul and the journey that we got to observe about him. And especially for me, knowing that he grew up in the Church of God in Christ, I feel a connection as uh, to him as, as somewhat of a brother. Uh, and we're all one anyway. Just let, let's just take a look. <clears throat> at Carlton Beerson's life, how he started being trained is in, from his incarnation into this planet Earth, his training from, as a child all the way up um, to his transition uh, last month in November. And may, again, may we all come away with a renewed mind and, and a more of an awareness to what is our role on this planet. Because if Carlton Pearson uh, could go through all that he went through and then transition into uh, sharing his message with even more people, um, we can all probably improve, advance, and create for ourselves, for our own community, a similar environment of love and truth. The question we're asking is, who is the enemy? Who's the enemy? So here is uh, Carlton Pearson. Starting off with a ministry explaining to us, or actually it's an interview that explains how he fell and lost 
everything. Only on two, Pastor Carlton Pearson will tell you that Tulsa is the city of his prime and of his crime. His ministry was a sudden and bright supernova before it burned out in a spectacular crash that left Pearson shattered for straying from the story as it had always been told. But with the release of a new movie that documents his fall, Pearson tells Two Works You anchor Scott Thompson, he's never felt healthier, happier, or holier with a powerful second chance at finding a new kind of spirituality. The things that I, that I feel like God has called me to do is bridge the gap not only between cultures and nations and denominations and people, but generations. 20 years ago, Carlton Pearson was a bright and shining shooting star. Across the sky of Pentecostal preaching. A suave, sparkling skyrocket of a man who mesmerized Tulsa's powerful evangelical community. Rises up inside of I lived that way. I had mastered the craft of it. And a close friend of your parents. A protege of Oral Roberts, a graduate of his university, he ministered to 5,000 followers every Sunday at his Southside Higher Dimensions Church. And with his Azusa conferences, the standing room crowds at the Mavy Center and the downtown convention center. I knew what to say over the pulpit. I knew what words they needed to hear. Thank you. Thank sir. you for coming. He was a regular guest on Global Christian Television. And because of his serious polish, he began appearing on mainstream TV, whose bookers saw him as a legitimate voice rather than a sideshow curiosity. He was named a regent of the ORU Board of Directors, counselor to president, part of the national healing after the Murrah Building bombing in 1995. And though Carlton Pearson seemed to have it all, I kept feeling unfaithful, unsatisfied, and I didn't know why. He became bored with everything he built. It became tasteless to me. It didn't taste bad, it just had no taste at all. And so restless and questioning as he approached his 50th birthday 15 years ago, Pastor Pearson began to listen to that which had been stirring inside him. I came up with the conclusion that we probably got it wrong. And we misinterpreted that instead of the Bible being the inspired word of God, it's probably just the inspired word of man about God. He began to preach inclusion, that everyone goes to heaven and that there is no hell. I just couldn't reconcile in my mind eternal torture, weeping, wailing, gnashing of teeth. It didn't make sense. And my experience of God was not that way. But in turning his back on a spiteful and angry God, he unleashed the wrath of what he calls Christianity Incorporated. He was suddenly a mortal threat to the business of the Bible. And so when something happens that threatens the community or the, or the, uh, or the doctrine or the dogma or the tradition, or the cult belief, uh, everybody gets defensive. His fall was to be quick and complete. Some people just turn away from you. That's painful, but it's, it, it's more bitter when they turn against you. Other pastors began to attack. He was barred from Oral Roberts University and removed from its board. And its namesake, his mentor, the creator of the prosperity gospel, warned him that preaching inclusion would destroy everything they'd built. He was declared a heretic and would lose his home and his friends. I baptized those people and counseled them and prayed with them and gotten some of them out of jail and been to bedside when they were, there, when they were dying. And I just didn't think that covenant would ever be broken. And as his congregants at higher dimensions began to flee, leaving him unable to pay the mortgage, he lost his church. I just didn't think that would happen. But when it did, that's when I knew, wow, this is, this is big and this is bad. I want to ask you something. It's his story of loss and redemption that's told in the movie Come Sunday, 
a sleeper hit of last month's Sundance Film Festival. Taking part in its production has been both cathartic and painful. And did you love it? Here we go again. A movie will come out. There'll be critics. Um, my name will be used. The people who are angry at me will become angrier. The ones who love me will love me more. And though a public mea culpa could get it all back and more. I've had millionaires come up to me and say, if you change your message and go back to what you were, I'll buy you the property, I'll buy the building, we miss you, we need you, we want you as you were. And when the devil knocks you back... He says that Carlton Pearson is dead. We love you at all souls. The reborn one, the newly energized one, is the Pastor Pearson who makes monthly Sunday visits to All Souls Unitarian Church in Tulsa. And the one who can now reach hundreds of thousands around the world from his living room with Facebook and YouTube messages. Messages, he hopes, that offer a new perception of God for the 21st century. The message that we, we have received, for which we paid a huge price, has opened a whole new world for us. It's the message he's convinced his mentor heard as the two sat together and Oral Roberts approached the end of his life. But I convinced him, I think, and when I finished, he stood up. And there's a scene in the movie about he put his hand in his back pocket and he looked up to the ceiling and he said, uh, I've listened very carefully to everything you said. Long pause. And I like what I hear. Man, uh, that was as close to an affirmation I was, as, as I was going to get. And to an older, chastened, and yet happier Carlton Pearson, that now serves as quite enough. I think there's so much more to God than we have uh, tried to, to imagine. Scott Thompson, two works for you. It is a fascinating story. Come Sunday, we'll have a limited theatrical release, and then you can see it on Netflix April 13th. So Carlton Pearson took the most high creator out of the box, and that brought much wrath uh, against him in the Christian community. So we're going to um, look about, look at and hear more about his life that I believe contributed to his cancer that um, uh, eventually caused his transition. And I, 20, some 20 years ago, I believe, he had uh, what was, um, I think he started out having prostate cancer, prostate cancer. He recovered from that. In 20 years, he was in the ministry, probably uh, prospering, and then uh, more recently, uh, he had bladder cancer. And I can only think that his wound, his deep hurt from the attacks by the Christian men and women who he fellowshiped with for many, many years contributed to that disease growing in his body. So we've got our sister tonight uh, on blog to, or on Facebook. Zelda is joining us. Our our queen from uh, Monday Morning Mindfulness says, Grand evening, queen sister, looking forward to awesome show. The road to hell usually begins at home. That's right. That's close. That's what I we're talking about tonight. Where does it begin and where does it end? And she says, when you go against tradition in the religious community, you will be ostracized by the entire community. People are comfortable in the church until you go against the grain Sad but true. And that's what you're going to hear from Carlton's own mouth. Thank you, Zelda. And she also says, while working at Gospel Radio, 1390 AM WGCI in Chicago, I was reprimanded for sneaking and playing more of his music. Church folks stick together, not always for good. 
And that is what um, just what Zelda experienced. So imagine if you, for some 20, 30 years, that was your life, preaching, teaching, and talking about Jesus and being saved and hell and brimstone. If you don't get Jesus, you're going to hell. And then you, you have these moments or this moment that he had where he said, this just doesn't feel right. And part of it was um, observing his grandparents who fell from uh, the graces of the church, I guess. And he uh, thought a lot about, well, are they going to hell because of what they did, because of the choices that they made? Well, that's what I want you to consider. Excuse me. Are you condemning yourself? Okay, that's not the one. Uh, Are you condemning yourself for some of the choices that you've made in this journey? Are you afraid that maybe you're going to hell? This is what um, started to bother uh, Carlton Pearson. So we want to really look at, is hell real? And... What does it mean when you transition from a tradition of religious programming and thinking, uh, whether does that mean you're going to hell? That's what many people are becoming sick about. The disease in many bodies is from the shame that we were taught uh, growing up in the church. So let's listen to the voice of Carlton Pearson for a little bit and hear what his struggle was, what his transition was, how he woke up, and how we can also empathize, sympathize, and even identify with his journey because we are all one. If you can really see the oneness in this journey that he took, then we can all begin to collectively Send out the peace energy that's needed today in the Middle East, in our own communities, and especially in our hearts. So let's listen to some of Carlton Pearson's journey. Uh, questioning is hell real. No, I've been changed. My parents had the devil in them. All my sisters and brothers had the devil in them. My neighbor was full of the devil. He was a wildly charismatic, successful, fire and brimstone preacher who warned about hell. You had to get them jumping and screaming and clapping and saying amen and crying to get them to come to the altar, to get them to get saved. He knew exactly how to inspire, how to work up a crowd. But if you don't perform in that pulpit, you're a dead man. How good are you? I'm good. I'm one of the best of them. But he lost it all. And it wasn't because he drank or cheated or broke the law. It was because of what happened inside when he heard a new idea, an idea, he said, from God. There is no hell as we have been taught. He was declared to be a heretic. They don't accept Jesus Christ as their Savior. They're going to hell. A preacher who rests with hell on earth. In this hour, to hell attack. This is a story about hell. It's about the dark warning right here in the central text of American Christianity, the Bible. 
about Matthew's gospel with its fiery furnace where unbelievers weep and gnash their teeth. It's about Mark who threatens the worm that does not die and Revelation with its eternal lake of fire. Is any of it real? Does it wait for you and me? Or is it all the invention of some cruel pre-modern imagination? My God, I'm just getting started. I'm just now starting to kick the devil out of my life and out of my home and out of my family. You're about to meet a man who came face to face with hell, was singed by that fire. Did you have any idea before you began to speak what events you were going to set in motion? Didn't have a clue. His name is Carlton Pearsley, and he lives still to tell his tale. But as you will shortly see, he may have lost everything. Here's where the story unfolds. Sunday morning in the Christian churches of America. For Carlton Pearson's is a uniquely Christian story. Though its great central question is one with which all people must struggle someday. Maybe later. Maybe sooner. What happens after? Is it certain, ominous, real? Are you big enough to tell the world there is no help? All murders, all liars are on their way, shall be cast into the lake of fire. Or a myth bathed in uncertainty. Not everything. My parents had the devil in them. All my sisters and brothers had the devil in them. My neighbor was full of the devil. The devil was in that dog next door. The devil was in that cat. Carlton Pearson learned about hell a long time ago, and he learned the lesson well. I'm the fourth-generation classical Pentecostal preacher, just like I was raised in denomination. Church of God in Christ. He was just a little boy when the bug bit him, or as he puts it. If I started with the little trash can turned over, my two little sisters sitting out in front of me, a little when I was five years old, on the back porch of our home, preaching to them. Couldn't even read hardly. Church was our life. It's all I've ever known. From the beginning, he was eager to please not only his parents, but also the members of the church. They were known as the saints. I was afraid of their disfavor. But they did say, the hand of the Lord's on you, boy. The Lord's blessing you. Boy, you got some on you. You know, I heard that all my life. You're going to be something, son. The Church of God in Christ is the largest black Pentecostal denomination in the world. Their services were exuberant. They waved their arms. They swayed. They sang. They spoke in tongues. And if their ministers black fancy credentials, they made up for it in a wealth of spirit. The sophisticates in the big cities look down on the Pentecostals and, yeah, those holy rollers, what yeah. do they know? Yeah, and we said those unspiritual, smug people, they don't know God, they're going to hell. Yeah. They need us. <laughs> they were too poor to be fancy. We were so poor, the poor folks called us poor. No. <laughs> and too enthusiastic not to try to look grand. They taped sheets of colored plastic to their meager windows, pretending they were stained glass. It was real popular in the ghettos, in the little inner-city storefront churches. And we made emotional again. It was so much for us to go buy this plastic. Um, it's really ugly, <laughs> if you compare it to this. We glued it on the windows. We See what this, what this is? We never thought we'd ever get close to it, but we, we mimicked it. It was like a status symbol. Yeah. If somebody had... They have that little ugly stuff up on their window. <laughs> That's so precious to me, the, the mentality. We were so proud of that. And something else. They were very serious about an issue some mainstream denominations often soft settle or avoid altogether, the question of hell. But in Carlton's church, it was central. It was
was the sermon every Sunday, the awful fate awaiting unbelievers. We were told not to laugh. Stop all that jesting and joking. Quit that baby. You know, we heard all that stuff. God gonna get you. The devil gonna get you. I thought so, but both of them after me. There was a quiet riot going on inside of us. Whether or not we make it to heaven, we loved God, but we feared him. Fear counterbalanced every emotion. So we had all that mentality, be good, be godly, be right, be holy, or else what? Or else you go to hell. In fact, for Carlton, it was deeply personal. His own grandparents, they'd been preachers once, but then they fell away, backslid, as Carlton puts it. His grandfather started at first. He started chasing women and uh, and got involved in adultery repeatedly. And then Carlton watched horrified as his own grandmother, her heart very lightly broken, fell into sin herself. I heard her curse and she drank. I smelled it in her house and she smoked. And uh, she played secular music and danced. The people danced in her living room. I saw it with my own eyes. And they died. And they died and they went to hell as far as we were concerned. Now you may have never had to say that, Keith. My grandmother's in hell. It hurt. It was devastating. It made him angry. That's the point of your life, was to keep people from hell. Absolutely. It wasn't, we didn't come here just to worship God. We came here to avoid his hell. And so, wounded now by the loss of his beloved grandparents, Carlton, barely in his teens, to the task of saving souls from hell. Everybody rushed to the altar to get saved or resaved or whatever it took. He was a kid who sparkled with promise. He was preaching at 15, ordained at 18, and then went to college. But not just any college. Oral Roberts University offered him a scholarship. By the time Carlton came to Oral Roberts, that great evangelist had claimed to heal believers by the thousands. Come out! And they're coming out! You knew him in his prime. He was just one step under the Holy Ghost for me. When I shook his hand, this man could clear his throat and I'd get chills. So imagine what it was like when Oral Roberts himself recognized the promise of greatness in Carlton and took him under his wing. The big giant human celebrity preacher. He was my mentor. And he told us to save the world. Roberts, said Carlton, began to treat him almost like a son. Clearly had special hopes for him. Carlton also developed his considerable talent as a singer. He traveled to Europe, sang on TV. He was good, but as a preacher, he had the magic. You want to say hallelujah? His grades were not particularly good, mind you. He didn't even graduate from college. He was so anxious to get out and preach full-time. I was on the Board of Regents. <laughs> yeah, on the yeah. Board of Regents of the University. But you didn't have a degree from the University. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It was 1981 when he started his own little church in a town called Jenks, Oklahoma. And we packed that house out, that little room out in months. Jenks had traffic jams within six months. Receive him into your life and be born again, I guarantee you. It wasn't long before he was preaching in Tulsa. His church growing so fast, he couldn't help but know how good he was. You had to get the people happy. You had to sweat and shout and spit and get emotional. A zeal to tear devils apart. You've got to deliver. And in my tradition, 
It wasn't just a good sermon. You had to get them jumping and screaming and clapping and saying amen and crying. But if you don't perform in that pulpit, you're a dead man. How good are you at that? I'm good. I'm one of the best of them. So as you can see in here, he says he was good, and he was good. I mean, in my young life, I so enjoyed seeing him. And I don't ever think I saw him live, but I sure enjoyed hearing his voice singing. And it was just so inspirational, and the, his, the music and the worship and the, the message was always really good. And today, as we um, realize he's now one of the ancestors, we have so much we can learn from him. And it's especially um, it's especially uh, real for me having had a grandfather who was, who did that performance in the pulpit. And I'm just really blessed and grateful that for men like um, Carlton Pearson, who did not stay in the same place, he kept moving. So I'm going to continue. There's four parts to this in this interview that I really think is important for us to see and hear how this one soul came to know a different truth that is really hard for Christians to accept. It's and you and and they call him a heretic and so many other words, but if you are open-minded, if you are seeking truth, you can't help but think ah, he had something. He had something there going, and he went to his he went to his deathbed at peace. So let us continue um, to listen to his story. If you have any comments, press one in the studio. Or uh, go ahead and make your comment uh, in uh, Facebook or um, or uh, YouTube, and I'll read your comments. But let's keep going. I really want you to get to know this soul who now has departed, but who taught a lot about transitioning one tradition, Christian tradition in this case, to one of spirituality. And I have his last, one of his last sermons that I'll play at the end. That really uh, shows, reveals to you how he became more spiritual and more in touch with his true purpose. Because at 70 years old, he's gone now. But land in a Tulsa suburb opened a big new building, staffed it with a slew of junior ministers and assistants, young men and women drawn to Carlton's charismatic power. The crowd got bigger. There were thousands out every week. This together is 30 acres, and we added that 41,000 square foot building called the Destiny Center on the other side of that wall. This part, we had that cost building 1.6 million just that. Wow! I know that we had about five or six thousand people come through there every week, and every seat will be filled. Collection income was up to $60,000 a week. This was heaven, and you felt like you're helping people and guiding people and uh, giving to people, and they give back to you in their presence and their smiles and their vocal responses. And we put a lot of rabbits out of hats. This was not just showmanship. He had a mission. Because I presumed that most people would go there, I had a responsibility, if I'm benevolent, to get as many of them out of hell. Which That's the point of your services, of all services, of all. The point of your life was to keep people from hell. Absolutely. It wasn't, we didn't come here just to worship God. We came here to avoid his hell. 
But even then, the trouble had already wormed its way into his brain, though he hardly knew it. He'd been studying the Bible in the original Greek and Hebrew, peppering his sermons with translations. And he couldn't help but notice some strange discrepancies. Very often, the King James Version translation was different than the Hebrew or Greek. So it opened your eyes a bit. Absolutely. It made me question the, the term that the Bible is inerrant and infallible. Something I would never question. Sort of dangerous territory, isn't it? To say that the Bible is not the word of God, but is the word of man about God, as best as man has perceived God, is troubling. Even for me to say it. I like to say if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. But if Carlton was troubled, no Sunday churchgoer would have known. He kept it to himself, even as his ministry, his fame... His power continued to grow. Every spring in the night, Carlton put on huge revival meetings in the Oral Roberts Navy Center. He called them Azusa Conferences. That's the name of the original Pentecostal revival a hundred years ago. At Carlton's Azusa, great preachers and singers would compete for the chance thrill as many as 40,000 people who packed the bleachers for a week and sold out all the hotels in the city. It was like a big revival of all these Pentecostal Baptist black people came who were open to the spirit. He brought in the big names, including his old mentor, Oral Roberts, who predicted Carlton would be the next great leader. And the next great revival would be initiated by black people and that he was going to have a leading part in it. And he helped create some new evangelical stars. The Azusa Conference is where author and megapastor T.D. Jakes came to national attention. Everything Carlton did seemed blessed. He married a beautiful woman named Gina. Oral Roberts baptized one of his children. In 1997, they made him a bishop. His influence spread to politics. In 2000, he campaigned for George W. Bush. He was invited to the White House. Pretty big. I'm, you're there at the invitation of the President of the United States. This is more than just making it. Yeah, that was pretty big stuff. Uh, but I never saw it as a personal thing. I saw it as the hand of the Lord is on you. This is the destiny of God. Keep yourself humble. And yet, even as all that success smiled down on Carlton, one secret cauldron of trouble brewed away down in his soul. It would not go away. It was that topic so central to his own preaching, the idea of hell. I was angry that people go to hell. I was angry that people are stupid enough or unspiritual enough or faithless enough to do the things when they know that they're going to go to hell. He kept thinking about his backsliding, hell-bound grandparents. I was resentful of God. See, if you fear God the way we're taught to fear him, you'll serve him, you'll believe in him, you'll worship him, but you probably will never really love him. And then came that night. He was in front of his bed. His little girl was on his back. He was walking. You saw these African people, mostly women and children, walking slowly back, trying to come home. There was no light or life in their eyes. It was a horrible thing for me to see. Swollen bellies and, and, and skeletal bodies and emaciated. And then the baby's looking at the mama, and the mama looking out in space, and the baby pulling at the mama's breast for milk. It was sad. 
And I'm sitting there with my little fat-cheeked baby, my plate full of food, watching my big screen TV, a man of God, a preacher of the gospel, an evangelist. And I'm looking at those people, assuming that they're probably Muslim and going to hell. Because God wouldn't do that to Christians, I'm thinking. They deserve hell. They deserve hell. It was right then, right at that moment, that Carlton Pearson had a revelation. And I said, God, God, I don't know how you can call yourself a loving God and allow these people to suffer so much and then just suck them into hell. And I heard, I believe it was the Spirit of God saying, is that what you think we're doing? You heard this voice? Yes, sir. And I said, that's what I've been taught. He broke down, he says. He cried. He talked back at that voice in his head. God, I can't save this whole world. And that's when I heard that voice say, precisely, that's what we did. And if you tell them that they are redeemed, you wouldn't create those kinds of problems. Can't you see they're already in hell? He heard God telling him to preach this new message, that hell is a place in life, and that after that, everybody is redeemed. Everybody. I immediately started thinking about my grandparents, where maybe they're not in hell. Maybe if they're already saved, if the cross and Christ and all that stuff really happened, (laughs) and is really spiritual, which I believe it is, then if he came to save the world, then the world is saved unless he's a failure. Carlton began to question everything, including the bedrock belief of his own church. That is, that if people did not accept Jesus as their Savior, they were bound to spend eternity in hell. If we don't come here and bow at those altars and light these candles and do what people do to appease the presumed angry God, you go to hell. That's the only alternative. Carlton went back to his Bible. He poured over again those Greek and Hebrew texts. The Bible is like a uh, like an idol. It's it's like an it's certainly an icon, but that's the Greek word for idol. We swear on it. We 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 keep it in our cars and we lay it under our pillow when we're afraid. Eventually, he said, he could come to only one conclusion. I respect the Bible. I I um I take it very seriously. I just don't take it literally. But wait one minute. What Carlton was thinking, at least according to millions of Christian Americans, was heresy. But by now, he felt convinced that the church's teaching about reward and punishment was simply wrong. And he began to get his head around some ideas he never would have contemplated before that remarkable night in front of his TV set. If Jesus had come to save everybody, born again or not, it meant that heaven was accommodating some pretty strange bedfellows. You mean Hitler's in heaven? Yes. You think Hitler's more powerful than the blood? Of Jesus? I mean, I got a hell to put a lot of people in. I'd send Hitler and every slave driver straight to hell and a few deacons in my church, if you want to know the truth. I'd send people to hell. But I'm not God. He's the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not ours only, but the sins of the whole world. Privately, he told his father what he believed he'd learned, that the grandparents who died in sin weren't in hell. When I was able to convince my father again that his parents were not in hell, he lit up. I literally saw my father just change. I think he forgave God that day, if you can do such a thing. And I think I have forgiven him because he was killing too many of my people and sending them to hell. He knew that if he dared preach what he decided to call the gospel of inclusion, it would raise a lot of eyebrows among evangelical Christians. After all, 
who was he to claim that centuries of Christian dogma was simply wrong? That there is no after-death place called hell. That everybody's going to heaven, and nobody would go to hell. Remember, Christians of all stripes have come up with widely varied interpretations of worship, theology, and the Bible. Are you big enough to tell the world there is no hell? From the kind of evangelical certainty Carlton had always believed before, to some Christian churches that seemed prone to a thousand doubts, even as they celebrated the ancient ceremonies. All of them Christians. So we are really, um, we're going to take a break. And if you have any questions or comments, um, please feel free to press 1 in the studio. And when we come back, we're going to continue to hear um, about his journey and all the conflict within him. In fact, I would say um, there was a war within him of sorts. I mean, he, the man said he had peace about what he uh, revealed to others and what he began to teach to others. But I would suggest that there was a war within him that festered and kept growing until a cancer of the bladder. From what I understand, he had bladder cancer. Uh, 20 years before that, he had prostate cancer. But then he later developed bladder cancer. And uh, it's just really sad. Uh, and he took chemotherapy. So um, the ignorance in that area is just off the chain uh, because even I was watching a, a documentary about um, John Baptiste. He's this beautiful uh, man who uh, recorded the music Freedom. He won all five Grammys last year. And his wife went through chemo for months and months and months, and then she was told she'd have to take the chemo the rest of her life. Yikes. So we make these choices along the way that will bring either life or death. And I'm suggesting tonight you make choices that begin up here in the mind that will either keep you in hell or put you in heaven. So we're going to take a break. And when we come back, if you have questions or comments, press one. If you have a comment in Facebook, I'll read those comments. But we want to continue to grasp the knowledge that this man has left us to help us make the best choices that we can make. So uh, we'll be right back after this message. Hi, this is Beata, your Holistic Life Coach. Every Sunday evening, I'm here on Blog Talk Radio, Soul Purpose Healing. I'm also blogging live every Friday morning at 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time on Health and Wellness with Beata. You can join the conversation on Fridays at 515-605-9325 or go to www.blogtalkradio.com slash the-female-solutions. When I'm not doing spiritual adjustments on Blog Talk Radio, I'm helping my clients reduce stress in their lives with EFT or emotional freedom techniques, essential oils, and cost-saving health plans like Ameriplan. Ameriplan is a better way to save money on your health care expenses. You can find out more about me and how to contact me at www.yourholisticlifecoach.com. Until then, 
Stay in joy. So let us continue on. Uh, this is part three of the interview, and there's four parts. So after part four, we'll talk more about where does the road to hell begin. And we have um, some people in our actually in our government are starting to talk about uh, resolutions to support Palestine, which to me is the biggest hell we're uh, witnessing lately here on planet Earth. But uh, let's get into part three of this interview with Carlton Pearson, Is Hell Real? So now Carlton had come to his own radical conclusion about hell and decided he was going to preach it, that he had to. And so he stood up in that big church of his in front of his thousands of worshipers and let it all out. For the first time in all my life as being a Christian, I really not only loved God, I, I started liking God. He called it the gospel of inclusion because it included everybody, not just Christians or evangelicals or fundamentalists. There'd be conflicts, of course, but surely he, of all people, could convince his congregation and maybe the evangelical community to welcome his new idea that everyone is saved, that hell is a place after death, does not exist. So is it really authentically biblical to believe in the hell we've been taught? But you don't always get what you wish for. My wife and I heard it on television. Just outside Tulsa, Carlton's home turf, is a fiery old-time pastor named Bill Timms. Timms had once been a mentor and friend to Carlton. What are your ages? And now, well, this was a shock. He says they're all saved. And if they're all saved, what's he preaching for? That ought to be the end of it. If, if Jesus made the way for everybody and they're all safe and, and happy, what's, what's he preaching for? Worse, said Tim, Carlton's preaching about hell was downright dangerous, was putting people at risk, to say the least. We've got to look at the fact the Bible says the blind leaders of the blind shall they not both fall into the ditch. The bottom line is he preached an erroneous message. Are we going to believe what Jesus says? Jesus spoke 12 times more about hell than he did heaven. It did not take very long for the message to get around. Carlton's hero, his father figure, Oral Roberts, was by all accounts crushed. It was more in sorrow than anger that the old evangelist sent his favorite student a long letter of rebuttal. This doctrine is as dangerous as any I've come in contact with in 66 years of ministry. I implore you, my dear one, please give it up. I feel this so deeply, I weep, I pray, I beseech, I plead. And then in due course, the letter was followed by a decision to remove Carlton from the Board of Regents at Oral Roberts University. Are we going to say he's right and the rest of us is all wrong? But for Carlton, it was Oral Roberts' censure that cut so deep. He loved me like a son, and he still might. Did you love him back? Absolutely. Absolutely. Did you miss him? I miss, I miss, I, I, I'm bothered by the fact that he doesn't understand what I'm saying, and I'm a disappointment to him. Uh, I love him. Oral tried to get him to change his position, and many others have tried to get him to change his position on this subject. Even an old Oral Roberts schoolmate, Ted Hagg, came out against Carl. Hell is a real place. 
Jesus talked about it a lot. The Bible talks about it an awful lot. Haggard has, since this tape was recorded, quite famously entered a kind of living hell himself. That I don't After know he first have. denied. Okay. Have you had a relationship with? I have not. Uh, any kind of gay I've, relationship? I've never had a gay relationship with anybody, and uh, I uh, I'm steady with my wife. I'm faithful to my wife. And then confessed to consorting with a male prostitute and buying illegal drugs. From him. I was buying up for me, but I never used it. Have you ever used meth before? No, I have not. He was banned from preaching after that, lost his huge church in Colorado Springs, lost his influential position as head of the National Association of Evangelicals. Pastor Ted had filled his church with genuine charisma, his own very obvious personal charm and kindness and Bible-based teaching. And back then, before the fall, Haggard made it crystal clear Carlton Pearson's new idea was not right at all. I think Carl. He's made a horrible mistake, a grievous mistake. Does hell exist? You bet it does. Oh, yeah, it's a place. An actual physical place? It's a, it's a physical place, yeah. It's not just a state of being. Hell, said Haggard, waits with absolute certainty for unbelievers everywhere. Remember how Carlton Pearson told us even Hitler would not be in hell? The question for Haggard was about the famously peace-loving and righteous non-Christian Gandhi. Gandhi is in hell? If he, we, there's only one. Gandhi knew about Jesus. Yeah. He didn't accept him as his savior. Right. Quite pointedly. Yeah, then he's in hell. The scripture is perfectly clear about judgment. Yes, sir. I relate to, to Ted's hell. To Carlton Pearson, Ted Haggard's fall was a perfect illustration of his new message that hell is a place on earth, not after death. Well, I agree with him. He said hell is a physical place. Hell is a physical place, and he's in it. Here on Earth. Here on Earth. But as Brother Tim's and others were quick to point out, human weakness like Ted's can strike almost anyone. But leading people astray is serious business. To many people, what Carlton had done was the fouler deed by far. They're both dangerous. I wouldn't want to be in either one of their shoes. Where are they headed? They're headed for perdition. They're headed for hell as sure as there's a hell. But they can forgive Ted. Because Ted still believes you have to confess Christ to be saved. He can be forgiven. Yes, you can. It was, for many who'd once admired Carlton Pearson, simply unforgivable. And folks around Tulsa got the word. If they don't accept Jesus Christ as their Savior, they are going to hell. In 2001, after nearly 20 years of preaching, Bishop Carlton Pearson, the preacher with the magic touch, was under attack. He had abandoned one of the central pillars of Pentecostal theology and was now preaching his gospel of inclusion, turning the traditional view of hell on its head. Now I've gone really off my rocker, and I'm actually saying there is no hell as we have been taught. There is before a hell, long saying some pretty heretical things about the church itself. The weeping, I think religion itself is all about control, from the Vatican to, to uh, the, the pulpits, the high places in the church. It is a matter of authoritative control, a form of religious um, tyranny. Now I consider myself a freedom fighter, trying to get people free from the paranoia and the penalty of following these people who say it's our way or the highway. And his own religious leaders, his fellow churchmen, were, no surprise, dismayed. Listen, I love him. 
he is not qualified to preach in my church. Not by the book. Not by the book. He's not qualified. They're afraid I'm going to lead people to hell. They're afraid that I'm going to, to lead people away from the tradition. They're afraid. Everything's fear. You know, that's exactly what Bill Tim says. You're leading people to hell. Yeah. But you are demon-possessed. Yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. And I would have said that a, a few years ago myself. But remember, up to 6,000 people a week have been faithfully attending Carlton's services when he preached that hell was real. It's no different than you running a show and people don't like it and people don't believe it, and so they watch another show. It's the market. Once his big church had taken in $60,000 a week. Now, week by week, it's slid. 50000 Then barely 6000 he couldn't meet the payroll, not a quarter of the payroll. His staff of assistant ministers sent out resumes, found jobs in other churches. To stay with Carlton now, many seem to feel, would be both morally wrong and career suicide. Though a very few of them, like children's pastor Steve Palmer and senior associate pastor Jesse Williams, decided to stay. I'm a son, and sons don't leave their fathers when they need them the most. But it brought some low points. What's the worst? I wouldn't want people to even know because it's, it's just too painful to even talk about. People that you thought were friends, people that you thought were close to you, you know, I'll do anything for you. I got your back. We're in this together. We're in it for the long run. And then just disappear. No explanation. I'd love to know your thoughts at this point, but if you are still thinking about all this, that's okay. We do have a comment from um, one of our, let's see, Facebook list, Francis is here. Hi, Francis. Ted Haggard was the worst liar. <laughs> They're all liars, in my opinion. And, and here's the, the funny thing. Uh, when we look at the Middle East, the the war and the hell that's going on in the Middle East. That's that's my thinking is that the hell is up here first. And and I was talking to a friend earlier about where does the hell start? Who created the military industrial complex, which has brought hell all over the planet? These men, I'm sure they're mostly men. Rose uh, uh, Rockefellers, uh, Rothschild all the Zionists who have created these wars, bombing people, Hiroshima, uh, dropping bombs on people. What is that if it's not hell? So where did it begin? Where did it begin that men should create bombs and guns? Someone's mind. So to me, the hell of, of, of war is, is the worst kind uh, on this planet that you think, you, your egocentric, psychopathic mind uh, should create weapons of mass destruction and take people out with your weapons and send souls back to uh, wherever they need to go. That, to me, is hell. So I tend to look at what uh, Carlton Pearson has gone through as a real blessing for us to learn about, um, as he said, control and tyranny. 
And that's what we're looking at with our own government. So I'm going to go ahead and play this last part. Uh, Let's see, we've got a caller. Let me take the caller first. Because we want to emulate your spirituality and your, your choices to stimulate you to make better choices that do not create hell in, in this planet. We've got enough of it right here on planet Earth. I don't think you're going to get any more from this experience. We've got enough of it. So let me go to the phone, uh, 612-545. Your mic is open. Yes, good evening, ma'am. Thank you for taking my call. Yes, what's your name? My name is Michael. Hi, Michael. How are you? Doing well, ma'am. How are you doing? Good. What's your comment or question? So I wanted to say, I think, um, and I'm not totally sure of your spiritual background, but as far as for myself, I was an atheist for most of my life. And um, I had a spiritual encounter with the Lord that, like Jesus, appeared to me in a real way. And since then, I've had spiritual encounters with the, both the dark side and with the, the side of the Lord. And what people don't seem to understand is in the spiritual world, there's laws in place that has caused certain things to happen. And there's authorities and powers that rule and control certain parts of the world. And yeah. what people what people don't understand about hell is hell in the spiritual world is way worse than anything you can imagine here. Getting bombed, getting killed, getting raped, getting abused, those things are terrible. But it's nothing compared to the spiritual side. The spiritual side, things are much more severe than it is in this physical world. And what people, what I notice when it comes to spirituality, in this, especially nowadays, is that people are trying to avoid accountability. In the spiritual world, everything is about accountability. Everything. Both on the dark and on the light side. And so you, there's no escaping that. And people need to understand what you do is going to come back. You're not, there's, you're, it's in a, unavoidable. And so we, whatever you think you may think you may be facing now is pales in comparison to what's going to happen after you die. And so while you're alive now, you have the opportunity to repent and be forgiven only because of God's mercy. But if you, if you reject that and you maintain your position of you somehow think you're good or, or everything's going to be fine when you pass on, People are in for a rude awakening because they don't understand the depths of what happens there. Because what will happen for some people, it depends on what you did, but the demons come up with all type of unique forms of torture. They'll do things like they have situations where you'll come when you pass on, they'll fool you into thinking you're seeing your family and loved ones. You don't know that you're in a torture chamber and the demons are creating a scenario and they're appearing to you as your family, your friends, your loved ones, in some beautiful place, and you think, oh, this must be heaven. You don't know that they're, they're, they're pretending to be something else. And that they'll surprise you, and all of a sudden they'll just appear in their true form, and they'll rip you apart and torment you. Some people don't even get that. Some people, they go straight to the torture. And the depths of torture change depending on what you've done and depending on the knowledge that you had. So whatever you may think about hell, whatever you may think about it, I'm telling you, people need to get right. They have no idea how scary it is on the spiritual side. They have no clue. And people don't understand how active demons are working right now to deceive everybody, to convince you, one, to get you to, to stay away from the Lord, number one, because their goal is to keep you from entering the kingdom of God by all any means necessary, and they'll deceive you with whatever it takes. 
And the number one thing they'll try to make you feel like is that you're somehow good. You don't need God's forgiveness. You can somehow, if there is a heaven or hell, that you're just going to make it in on your own merit. And that's just not true. I used to, I, I didn't know I was so evil until I had an encounter with the Lord and I saw my life. He showed me how evil I was. He showed me every time I lied, every time I'd ever hurt someone, every time I'd ever taken advantage of somebody, every time I disobeyed my parents, every time, even small things that I used to do, like my pride or, you know, thinking, uh, trying to undercut people to make myself look better. And the smallest things you would, that we think are insignificant, they're massive in the spiritual world. And so people, wherever you're at, whatever may have happened to you in your upbringing, whether you grew up in a Christian home or a religious home and people abused you, all that is terrible. But at the end of the day, you got to be held accountable for what you've done, not what people have done to you, what you've personally done. And look in your own heart and ask yourself, have I done evil? And if we're honest, we've all done it. We're all guilty. So what we really need to come to the conclusion of is what can we do to be forgiven of the evil we've done? Because regardless of what you may think, in that life, it's going to get exposed. Every detail, every secret thing you've ever done. In the spiritual world, there's no questions. Everything is known immediately. Any question you have in your mind is brought directly to your mind. There's no asking or requesting information. Everything is evident and brought forth. Everything you've ever done is laid open and laid bare. Every detail, every little skeleton you got in your closet, it's all coming out. And there will be a recompense for every detail. And I'm begging anyone listening, forget your past, forget whatever I've told you. Seek the Lord and repent while you're still alive. Because the majority of the world is going to hell. And the okay, hell that we're so talking Mike, about is a real hell. Michael, thank you yes, for ma'am. sharing uh, thank you for sharing your experience. May I ask how old are you? I'm right now I'm thirty six. I had this experience with the Lord when I was twenty two. Thirty-six. Okay, um, so you're the age of my youngest son. Uh, now, did you grow up in a religious family? My mother was. My dad wasn't. But by the time I was in middle school, I had nothing to do with religion. I thought it was all nonsense and fake, and just you know people using it to make money and so forth. Okay, so what religion? What denomination were you uh, exposed to? Uh, well, my mom was a she was a Christian. My dad was he wasn't really religious. You can call him a nominal Catholic, maybe. Okay, so I'm I'm glad to hear that um, you have found some peace in your choice of um, Christian. I, mean, I guess you're a Christian. You call yourself a Christian now, right? Yes, I'm a born again Christian. Born again Christian. This is uh, this is good to hear because. Each, every human being comes into this world to learn about religion, denominations, hell, heaven, and then each of us has a decision to make every time we take a breath on how we're going to live our lives. From the time we're children, we make choices, we suffer consequences, and so on and so on. So I really appreciate hearing your story because um, um, I can say I've been there, done that. I've been through every denomination. I'm now 68 years old. I have been through every – I started out in the Methodist church, went to the Baptist church, studied Hebrew, Israel. The Bible was my book of choice for 20, 30 years. 
And so, but what do you say about people who are living in remote areas and they never see a Bible or hear about Jesus as their Savior? What do you think is going to happen to them? Well, every human being, God has given them two lights. Every human being, no matter where they're from, where they're born at any time, the two lights God has given is conscience and creation. Putting within every human being's conscience the basic morality that is universal, meaning things like don't lie, don't steal, don't murder, don't cheat, you know, don't hurt people, so forth. That is, that's in every human being's conscience, right? And so over time, people can deaden their conscience by doing evil repeatedly, but every being intuitively right. knows within them it's wrong to do those things. So that's number one, God-given. Number two, what God's given is the fact that creation itself testifies there's a creator. That's why in almost every culture that's ever existed, they've always believed in some kind of a God that created the world, right? And so it's only in the recent, very recent era where men, because of their, de- their desire to escape moral accountability, have embraced this idea that the universe and life simply came about on its own from nothing through a blind, random chance process, which is utterly ridiculous. So but I used to believe that question, when I was an atheist. So the question is, do you think people who are in remote areas who don't have a Bible, who don't know about Jesus, and they die, do you think they're going to hell? Well, it's different for every person. So what God teaches, and this right. thing I learned from being right. with the Lord, is that God judges by knowledge and understanding. So, for example, you and I, we've read the Bible, we know about Jesus we're judged to a much stricter standard than someone who hasn't. So they're judged by the knowledge that they have. So, for example, like I said, everyone has the basic law of God in their heart. Like the, every human being yeah. knows, unless they have a mental issue, everyone knows it's wrong to lie. You don't have to be told that yeah. God put that in you already. So people will be judged yeah, by the moral standard they know. You know what? My grandson doesn't, he hasn't gotten that message yet. <laughs> He's still working on that. But, Listen, I want to bring in another caller, uh, Brother Kwame okay. Sunhurst. He was texting me something about the Bible. So I'm going to open up his mic. And let's hear what – I'm going to keep your mic open. Michael, sunny, Mike, another Michael in my life. I love it. Uh, Brother Kwame Sunhurst, um, welcome. And how are you? And what, what's your comment this evening? <laughs> good evening, Sister Viata, and good evening to Michael. And excellent yes. to hear uh, – a young knowledge being yeah. spoken by a man of 36. You know, he's finally 14 years. He's catching up. A lot of people still out right. there. Lost. That's <laughs> right. What I, was, what I was sending the thing is, is that there's nowhere in the Torah or in the Old Testament before that there anything mentions about hell. This is a concept that's been added to the versions of rewriting and rewriting and rewriting this book and, and you know, Hades and these other places that Taurus, these names that they were given and saying that these were the lake of fire and these parts of that. The part of it is, is that when a child is conceived and it's given the spark of life, that energy of life, even though it comes out into the world, and if it does not mature, it is out without sin. And so that child has a chance that it's going to return back to this planet again without sin. And so the thing of it is, is that man has given this concept of creating fear, careless fear, love and 
love and fear cannot live in the same body. And so man has created the torment, fears, okay, and like Michael was saying, all the things that we do, you're only as sick as your secrets because you think nobody knows but the creator and you know. And the other part is that in nature, there's a balance. There always is a balance. And the thing of it is, is that the creator has created on this earth the balance of life and death and the recycle because life is a circle and we're going to die. We're going to like, like Adam, Adam died and he went back to being what you, what you came from was dust and you will return to dust. Didn't say he was going to hell. Didn't say he was going, he returned back to being dust. So this is the part that man has come up with these concepts in order to create conflict in the consciousness of the human being and saying that these things are going to happen to you if you don't do what I say. Just like he went up there and took 42 laws up and you came down with only 10, and you said, thou shall not, but you didn't say, you shall not. See, these, these, these ways in which they have manipulated the words in order to take control of fear and saying that if you don't do this, this is going to happen to you. You're going to go to hell and you're going to do this. You know, these are the tricks of the the religious overlords, as I, I would say, because you just talked about all of these preachers that, that stand up there in the pulpit and, and preach every Sunday and preach and, re- and then do more sins than the other. You know, we used to go out and be out partying Saturday night and you see the preachers and the deacons out there in the club and then you go into church Sunday morning and they all sitting there in the pulpit hungover. Which is why each one of us needs a personal relationship with nature and the creator. I keep having bees show up in my life, and I just know that the creator is bringing me closer to the energy of love that that the creator gives all of us. So uh, we appreciate everything, but it's an individual journey that the creator's love energy is bringing us into a relationship. Carlton Pearson had over 50 years in the pulpit, in the Bible, read, teaching, teaching, preaching, singing, blah, 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 and then boom, the, the spirit of truth comes in to many of us and says, now I want you to consider, because you've been thinking about uh, your grandparents, I, that was no, no accident, because you've been thinking about hell in in a remote land like for all those people, I want you to consider the truth that there is no hell in in another realm. That consider the truth that the hell is right here on earth. And I'm like, yeah, it is, it is, it is. And even though Michael was saying what's even worse in the spiritual realm, the Creator can reveal that to anyone who needs that knowledge and information. So that's what, when you have a close relationship with nature, the creator's spirit of love, and I don't deny some people need Yeshua. I don't, Jesus is out of my vocabulary. Yeshua HaMashiach, that's the, the, the Messiah, the spirit of truth. Some people need a savior. I, I tell my friends sometimes, I don't need a savior. I'll be your savior if you want me to, but I don't need a savior. I had 50-plus years of my life thinking I needed a Savior, and then the Most High revealed that to me. It's an individual journey. 
And let me read some of the comments here. So, Michael, we are just having pleased as punch to know that you're on this to know truth. And that's what it's really all about. We are all could one I, uh, truth. Could so I that, respond to some of the things that Brother Kwame said? So, so let's do this. Let me say, so we can live okay. on this planet in peace with other people, with other humans, so we can stop bombing the hell out of people and we can learn how to love because Yeshua, Jesus, is a spirit of love more than anything. I don't believe the, uh, Jesus is coming back in the clouds or any of that. That's not my belief. I believe the head, the mind, the mind is where war begins. Those Rockefellers and all those people who created bombs and that, that it would get began in the mind. And so when you recognize but that you're one, carrying a war mind, you can change that. You can change that. Spending more time in nature is what I say the creator intends for all of us to do. Go ahead, Michael. You had another comment? Yeah, I wanted to say to what Kwame mentioned there, he said that there was no uh, passages about hell or, you know, eternal punishment in the Old Testament. Is that is that correct? Did you say that? Yeah, and that's what the Old Testament and the Torah and the, and the books, when they were first written, there isn't a part of what the H-E-L-L. They had Hades, they had the other words, but that wasn't the word for hate. That was purgatory. Or those languages. Right. So you, you, what you're saying is you don't believe that the that the Old Testament taught about eternal punishment in the afterlife. Part that they they put in there and saying that there was purgatory that you're going to suffer for whatever, the lake of fire. And they gave. Right. So, for are you familiar with the Book of Daniel? Yeah. So in the twelfth chapter of Daniel, so Daniel is one of the only prophets in the entire Old Testament that was. He was not only given the vision of the future, he was also given the vision of Judgment Day itself. And he was he was given a lot of revelations as far as the about the afterlife. And in Daniel chapter 12, he's told that uh, multitudes will rise, some to everlasting life, others to everlasting, everlasting contempt and destruction. So Daniel saw both Judgment Day and he saw that people are going to either spend eternity in paradise or eternity in punishment. But does that so but see, that's what I'm saying. The word hell that what we're talking about is we use this language saying hell. Torment is that you that's purgatory. Part in which you're gonna suffer for things you know that you in your own consciousness that you know that you have done. You're gonna suffer with living with that and in yourself. But the part in what we're seeing is is this word called hell, you're gonna burn in fires forever. This is the part that that man has put this in there in order to to. Well, how do you how do you know that? How do you know that man put it in there and Jesus didn't really say that? Because in the Gospels, Jesus talks about the lake of fire and about hell. If, but what I'm saying is, if then why isn't there in Scripture that he actually says these words? Who Jesus? Yes. Yeah, Jesus talks about hell and the lake of fire and judgment and all many times in in the Gospels. And in the book of Revelation. Okay, so if you look at the history of the Bible, how it was created, how it was written, uh, there was a lot of influence, especially King Jimmy Virgin is full of deception and and misery. So each one of us, again, Michael. We don't have to to look at the English translation. We can look at the Greek and Hebrew manuscripts 
which go back as far as, and in in both the Greek and in the Hebrew, we see the same thing being taught. So, for example, with the Old Testament, we have copies of the Old Testament with the Dead Sea Scrolls that go back more than 2,000 years. Hey, listen, Yeshua, Yeshua, Jesus spoke Aramaic. Hebrew is a modern day. No, no, I'm talking about, I'm talking about the manuscripts for the actual Old and New Testament. So the Old Testament is written in Hebrew, New Testament is written in Koine Greek. So what I'm saying is we have manuscripts that we can study, that we can know what was written down beforehand. And what I'm saying is that it wasn't, this is not like during the, when they made the King James translation, they introduced these concepts of hell, judgment day, lake of fire. That's written in the Greek manuscripts itself. We have the Texas Receptus, yeah. which is the which is the most solid group of manuscripts that we have. I mean, for the New Testament alone, we have over twenty five thousand manuscripts. No other document from antiquity even comes close to that. Both the number right. of and the closest to the date of when it was written. Right. So you know, we could we could debate this all night, but I want to get to some comments. And, and the, for those of us who study the Bible in Aramaic, Hebrew and um, who have had a close relationship with the spirit of truth, which is Yeshua, then we were, we might have a different uh, answer, interpretation, perspective on what the Bible is telling us. I, for one, the Bible is full of allegories and, and uh, lessons for us. It's not a list. It's not, my opinion, it's not meant to be taken as a history book. No, 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 no. It's too powerful for that. It has allegories, metaphors, and symbolism. So and that's what but I if the Holy Spirit revealed to me the truth of the word, and Jesus showed me, first of all, yeah. convicted me of my sin, made me aware of because judgment, and brother, I've, 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 I've had attacks from the dark side. I've had demons. I've had witches actually project into my room and attack me. They, they, the, the dark side is real. You realize demons are real. Again, where it starts in the mind. That's our, our, our question tonight. Where does the road No, I'm talking about outside end? of yourself. Do you, do you believe that there's a spiritual realm that exists outside of you, like where there's the, demons? 90%, and... other, 90% of our reality is invisible. So, of course, we, when you, as you mature spiritually, you realize we, what we see is only 10% of reality. Everything right, else but is I mean, invisible. Have, do you believe that demons so, are real? Uh, demons, you, you, we have to go into an interpretation. That's an adversarial. No, I'm energy. talking. Okay, I'll give you a specific an, an evil spirit that's malevolent, with the intent yeah. to lead you into destruction. Is that real? Everything in the invisible realm is possible. You, you know, everything is impossible. No, I'm asking you. you have you ever have you ever had an experience with demons or witches yeah, or people who engage people. in witchcraft? In people, in human beings, they possess people. Where, where, where do the so, witches, yeah. where are the people that engage in witchcraft, where do they get their power from? Exactly from the from the universal energy that that creates those type of things. Let me go. Let they me get go it from that. demons. <laughs> they they say that themselves. I mean, we got to define demons because in reality, everything is energy. You can manifest. You create your own demons. Is what I think. No, no, demons are own. demons are a separate spiritual force apart from you right. that have right. an intent and a goal and a purpose, which and in you your life, their that. number one goal is to deceive you and to lead you into destruction. Yeah. Okay, so let me pause there. Let me let me uh, pause there. We've got other callers, and I want to get read some of these comments, which I think are very valid here. Craig is with us. 
And Craig is uh, one of our listeners, regular listeners, and Craig is saying, by design, uh, religion, religious intent is to, quote, pry loose a person away from knowledge of their own soul and handing that soul over to someone else, quote, a group of people like the church or an otherworldly being, uh, maybe demons, posing as a creative intelligence. Thank you, Craig. And then he goes on to say, every single person carrying any kind of spiritual message is dubbed heretical immediately. And that's what happened to to um, Carlton. He became more spiritual. Staying in the dogmatic, religious mind, he became more spiritual, meaning a more a closer intimacy, hearing spiritual messages. And that's why he became a heretic because the church doesn't want people to become spiritual. No, he became a heretic. He, he he went against the the Jesus that he claims to believe in. If, if for example, no, if I call myself a Muslim, for example, if I call myself a Muslim, and I'm a follower of Muhammad and I'm studying the Quran, if I then say half the things that Muhammad taught in the Quran are not true, how can I then call myself a Muslim? In the same way, for Carlton, they call himself a Christian. And when Jesus himself taught repeatedly in the Gospels and in the book of Revelation about hell, in many times, not a few, not a couple, many, he's either saying either A, Jesus was lying, or B, what we have in the Bible is not true, which then refers to then Jesus didn't even have the power to preserve his own work. So on both ends, he's either calling Jesus a liar or he's calling him weak, because either either what Jesus said is not true or Jesus didn't have the power to preserve his own word in the gospel, which in the gospel, Jesus said, my words will never pass away. Heaven and hell will pass away before my word does. So on either way, he's going against God, one or the other. So, I mean, that's the question you got to ask yourself. Is Jesus real? If he is, is what he said in the gospel true? And if it's not true, then obviously he's not real because he didn't have he either didn't speak okay. the truth or he didn't have the power to keep his word true to bring okay, and preserve Michael. it. Okay, Michael, let me pause you for a minute. I'm gonna put you on mute for a minute so I can read. Uh, I, I get your message. We're gonna respond to that in a minute. Let me read a message from our sister Frances. I want to give everyone a chance to comment, participate, if you will, because this is a collective community of of people, human spirit, souls who are here to grow. We're here to grow and evolve. Many of us grew up with Jesus, singing Jesus Loves Me in Sunday school and seeing alcoholic parents, seeing the conflict, the division, the, the hypocrisy. And we had to develop a different relationship. Jesus was a creation of of, uh, of many writers of the New Testament to get control. The Catholic Church wrote the New Testament, honey. So let's just get real about who Jesus is. The spirit of Yeshua HaMashiach, in my opinion, is a spirit of truth. And the man who they call Jesus was uh, created in the by the Catholic Church, in my opinion, and put into the New Testament. But there is still a spirit of truth that we call Yeshua. Yeshua means Yahuwah saves. So until we get out of the Jesus Latin name, we don't really get a full understanding of what his name even means. So Francis, thank you for joining me. Francis says Carlton had a job experience. I don't know, not sure what that means. His marriage failed. Also, those last two, the white and black guys, deserted him too. 
Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. The Lord's Prayer states, deliver us from evil, your hell. Where is any scripture found that instructs one to focus on hell? Good points, good points. Uh, And let me say this. I saw an interview of his wife who was married to him for 26 years. They had two children. And I have so much sympathy, empathy for her because what she shared, the reason, I wouldn't say their marriage failed. Their marriage transformed because she was there with him at the end of his life. But she said to a very important, she said, and he agreed, Carlton agreed, she was the mistress to his church. So over 25, 26 year period, you're in that type of relationship with a man who is very popular worldwide, and you're the mistress? Ah, she said she had to become whole again. She had to leave that relationship. I don't think it, I wouldn't say it failed, Francis. The marriage, she had to go into a transformation and change. And even at the end of his life, she told him, I, we should get, they both agreed they should get remarried. They didn't get remarried, but spiritually, they came, they had a, a new experience, new relationship at the end of his life because they had two children. And their relationship as a very popular uh, Christian couple had to go through some stresses and changes for her. And she had to, they had to separate because she was the mistress to his church. Now, any woman, in any sense, now she's out there doing yoga and meditating and all that because she had to renew her spirit after a relationship like that. So I hear what you're saying. Uh, and we, again, we don't focus on hell uh, in a spiritual journey. We focus on being the light and being uh, love, the spirit of being, having, Michael, hear me, having the mind of Yeshua, Hamashiach, a.k.a. Jesus, is the most important thing we need right now with wars going on and rumors of wars. Uh, we don't need to be worshiping at anybody's feet. We need to be being human, being the love of Yeshua in our mind. And Craig says Arabic, sister to Aramaic-like Hebrew. Okay, and then uh, thank you, Craig. That's very important to study Arabic and to study languages because when you're trying to interpret books, whether it's the Quran, the Bible, the Bible has been so mistranslated, you can't even get any clear understanding in most versions. You have to have a very prayerful, meditative life to get the full message, the metaphors, the allegories, and the symbolism that is in the Bible to help us in these days of war and hell on earth. Yeah, we're in hell on earth. I'm not worried about the hell that people are talking about after my soul lives this body. Uh, Craig says that is not what that is not the meaning of heretic. I'm not sure what that means. Only dogma goes to extremes. And then Olivia says the third eye is the seat of perception, and heaven and hell is a state of consciousness. Thank you, Olivia. I love you, my sister. So as you continue in your journey, spirit will reveal more. Very well put. We go, we, we arrive in this family of religion, 
and denominations and Jesus, Jesus loves me and you're going to hell if you don't get a savior, blah, 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 blah. And you live a life 50 years or so and then some the spirit of love, the spirit of truth comes to you and says, well, consider this. And then you sit outside with the bees and the birds and they teach you. Oh, truth comes to you with bees and birds. So thank you, Olivia. That's what I'm with. And then we have Francis, and there are over 40,000 different denominations and sects. Scripture is a scroll of codes, principles, initiations, and more, metaphors, allegories. Um, so and then Olivia says the stories you are an allegory, Galatians 4, 24 to 28. So it's speaking symbolic. Absolutely. That's where I am. Now, everyone is not at the level that Olivia and I are at, many of my spiritual I don't judge anymore. Wherever you are, I feel like as long as you're not thinking about creating a bomb to drop, as long as you're not thinking about going out and killing somebody, hey, we can all get along. Let's just talk at this level, at this stage of the game. Let's just talk peace because every there's too many zombies out there who don't know who they are. And about this, one more thing. Do you know how many people are dying from That tells me people are in pain. And I'm just saying Jesus is not the answer for that necessarily. It might be somebody, maybe Jesus can deliver some of these people on fentanyl and overdosing. I'm not going to be the one to say that's what everybody needs. I'm saying let's just try all of us to be love. If it's in your consciousness, in your mind, let's be love. And I've got um, Mama AZ, your mic is open, but I'll let him uh, give his comment. Kwame, did you have another comment? Yeah, I was just trying to say that, you know, we're talking about this book, the Helios Biblios. There's over 3,030 yeah. versions of the Bible and over 2,011, 2011 languages and 1,900 languages that this book has been written in. That's on digital yeah. right now today. So you got all of these books out here. Yeah. Which is the true book. Yeah, thank you. The, you know what the true, you and I know the true book is out there in nature. You need to go out there and read nature and learn, watch the birds, the bees, and the ants and the trees. And that's what where the true book is in my life. Uh, Mama AZ, I know you are in that book every day. You're putting your feet in the soil, in the earth. Mama AZ, your mic is open. <laughs> uh, thank us. Uh, can you hear me, Mama AZ? Yes, you can ma'am. Hear me. Go ahead. Yes, ma'am. Okay, thank you so much. And uh, uh, thank us, Brother Kwame. Uh, first of all, uh, what is the energy day, uh, the energy number for this day, Dr. V? Number number nine. Are you we're giving sure? Birth. We're giving birth. Yeah, 12. I think 12, 3, is the nine. No, 2023. You're yeah, the whole adding... day. December. Okay, 3rd, so are you 20... adding up the the whole month, the twelfth month, uh, the uh, third day, okay. and then twenty twenty three? Yes, it's a seven. 
Okay, maybe I got that wrong. Let me do it again. Twelve, thirteen. Do it again. It's a three. Okay, maybe a three. No, uh, uh-uh. uh. We got to get okay. this right. Twenty twenty three. Oh, it's a four. Okay, it's a four. That, we got a four. Correct. Correct. Yeah. Thinking out okay. of the box. It's not only foundation. Where's Where's the numbers, Guru, uh, Brother Eddie? But what I'm getting at. Uh, Dr. V. Now, when did Carl yeah. uh, Carlton Pearson uh, make his transition? What was the energy number of that? Uh, we have to look that up. But Brother Eddie, your mic is open. Greetings, family. Okay. Go ahead, Mother Az. I'll, I'll speak after you. Go ahead, my dear. Oh, okay. Um, Dr. V, this is so profound. It's going to be another show. I'm listening at Carlton. I'm looking at his track uh, record, Oklahoma or Robert, and a lot of the information that Carlton Pearson has come out with is so on point. He's not falling for the goddamn okie doke anymore, people, family, and 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 he's not going to be the only one. Even the Reverend A.A. Allen, who communicates with me, I'm so thankful for you, Dr. V, to bring this out about Carlton Pearson because of what time of day it is. Family, there are not only Carlton Pearson. See, he had to leave. And so did Reverend A.A. Allen because of what time of day it is, you know? Right. No, it is no, it, it's hell right here. Hell is how you make it. And it took me yeah. a minute to realize that in my, in my late 30s, I'm like, what the heck? So look, Dr. V, I love the freaking bejesus out of you because for you to bring this up on a four-day, and I'll let Brother Eddie handle that because he's the man when it comes to the numbers. Numbers mean everything. When my dad made his transition, when I was park hostessing at Pettigrew State Park right next to um, uh, the plantation, Somerset Place in North Carolina, my dad came to me and he said, Roberta, there's no need to spend $1,500 to come to my homegoing celebration because you're right where you need to be in 95 to start to investigate numbers. And who would you know, Brother Eddie Harris came on the scene to enhance what knowledges I already have when it comes or had when it comes to numbers. Thank you. There we got hell right here with these creatures who may be two legged, who look like us, in the copper colored thing in the house and you know what I'm talking about. So us. Come on, brother Ed, come on down. You own. Thank you. <laughs> Peace. Greetings and better love together, family. (laughs) 
It seems oh, like <laughs> the family's fired up this evening, and I love it. I love it. And uh, I, I have to say first to everybody listening from any book you read from, it's called your, the Holy Bible is your personal relationship. So since yeah. we all have a personal relationship for whatever way we believe, get whatever information that we concur with, we agree with, everything else let go. We don't need nobody else's garbage, you know, but everybody has valid points. For me, you know me, I'm listening to the numbers behind all of it. So it's a beautiful thing to see again that once we're able to see the number behind the word and see that we are basically saying the same thing by the number, it's the word of English that's the occult that keeps us divided. That's its job. The occult, English, divided, all the five. They're using the five because when we mention Jesus Christ is the five, but putting it in this array of religions that keep the confusion amongst your thought, your thought, because that's where Christ starts in your thought. Everybody has a different piece of the puzzle. No one has the whole thing. As Mother A.Z. stated, today is the fourth. Fourth is spiritual. And as Michael mentioned, the spiritual realm is the truth that we all bring. Everybody brings their truth from their experience. And once we figure this out, because with this unconditional love and truth, this is what's going to conquer all. And to mention hell, by number family, hell is six. Mm. So when we look at hell being six, we're looking at it being right here on earth. Earth is six. But we're converting, as we say, the hell, the earth, is in your heart, family. Heart is six. And that comes directly from the beat that comes from your word. Beat is six and word is six. So the hell that is created is created by your word, whatever you believe, what comes out of your mouth that you manifest. We're casting spells on ourselves with this language of English. This is why everybody was talking about the different languages these the, the Bible comes from, the Helios, all of this. But we're speaking English. So to see this by the spiritual number, today being that four, spiritual, truth is four. God is four. Protection is four. It's behind the number of the spirit, spirit being four, that we're speaking the truth that's going to set us free. See, and that comes directly from every individual's understanding to understand what's getting you to that overstanding that's coming directly from within. So Judgment Day, the hell, is all the six. That's why Judgment Day is six. Your word is six. Your heart is six. So coming from your heart through your word, 
is your actual judgment. That's why your word is your bond. And we're all bonded from the very beginning because the six is the 411 called your DNA. It's in all of us. The word is embedded innately in all of us. But until we see it a different way because we're sometimes arguing, bickering, whatever, debating with these English occult words that we truly don't understand because they give us a definition that we still go with. No, once we see the number, we can find Christ. We can find God. It's behind, it's hidden in plain sight in the number embedded in all these words. But everybody has a personal relationship to give their truth. I love Michael's passion, and I love some of the things he's saying because we don't agree with totally everybody on everything that anybody says. So he has valid information that he's delivering. But we can't close ourselves off because we are we have a conditional perception of what we've been taught. But again, that invisible ram that you mentioned that is spiritual and that number of God. Because remember, I've never heard any preacher, reverend, any religious leader speak in number behind these English words to reveal, because numbers don't lie, who God is and who Christ is by the English language we speak. And until we put all this nonsense aside and see that it's the number that's bringing us together, it's the words that keep us divided, we fall. And we're falling because of an English language that is not the basic language of any of us. This is a created language that was giving, taught to us. So, again, I want to leave on that note saying it's, it's peace and love, family, and peace and love that we have to push because peace yeah. and peace is five. Christ is five. Love is five. Find that number that they're trying to keep you divided with five. With that family, I'm closing love. I love you all. And, and thank you, uh, Brother Eddie. Every, all of us should pay attention to the numbers, which are the language of the universe. And those are the, num- the numbers that I see and have been seeing for several years now are confirming my relationship with the spiritual world, the creator, and the spirit of truth, which is Yeshua. Uh, we've got um, Naima. Uh, I think she texts Naima. Your mic is open. You said you had a caller uh, in the Female Solution Studio. If you want to open up, uh, and and as Eddie, Brother Eddie said, we need to know who our enemies are, and not stop this division because that is why uh, the war in the Middle East is continuing because they don't know who their real enemies are. They're they're accusing everybody over there is a terrorist. Or Hamas is the terrorist. Actually, the Zionists and the United States are the terrorists. So let's be clear and, and focus on who the real enemies. All of us here are not in my mind. 
we are all coming together to share our truth. So, uh, Naima, did that caller uh, want to? Naima, are you there? Okay, we're going once, going twice. Okay, we'll come back to her later, maybe. But thank you, thank you all for this. We're in a new battle today. And um, Craig said something. Kwame, are you still there? Yes, I'm here. Okay, Craig is is asking a question about uh, some energy. Uh, Let me see, pull this up. He says, there's supposed to be some kind of pulse headed towards Earth soon. Wanted Kwame's take on that. Are you aware of some new energy pulse coming at us? That will affect yeah. electronics. It may play on electronics, he says. We're in, we're in what's called the solar maximum. And what we're having okay. is DMEs is coming off the sun, and which is going to cause disruption of the electrical. Wherever it hits on the planet, it will cause a disruption of the electrical currents wherever it hits at. It's just like it did in 87 up in New York and the, the blackout in 1859. They did the one about the telegraph. So these are uh, the times in which we're getting these energies to create, you know, something that we have to understand that we are not in charge. And the thing that man is attempting to do that the creator showing you, no, this is who's controlling this is the sun. Just as we get up every morning and the sun rises, it shines on all the people on the planet, be you good, bad, or indifferent. It does not make a difference. So how are we going to be greater than the person that makes the sun rise? Uh, hallelujah. Totally agree. In fact, um, there are no coincidences, whether we're speaking of the sun's energy that's going to affect us, planets moving, uh, even the death. I'm a um, Carlton Pearson left this earth on November 19th, 2023, which is a one. If I correct, if I'm adding that correctly, 11 19 oh, 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 oh my god, V, he left on November 19th. Yes, yes. So are you sure? Yeah, I just well, I just googled it. You know how Google is; they could be wrong. <laughs> said November night. Oh my God! Kwame, you love this. He was born three nineteen, which I think is Pisces, uh, fifty three. Oh. oh, Dr. V, this is another show, brother Eddie, brother Kwame. This is another show because I had the revival at Miracle Valley on the 19th and something extraordinary happened out there and for those who do not know what miracle what miracle valley is is miracle valley arizona a bible college that reverend a.a allen created and he was a student of of uh or robert and then he created his own thing and him and Carlton Pearson is talking now because what Carlton Pearson had to say, Reverend Allen has been communicating that to me since 2006, and I didn't know it until now. 
Oh my God. So no, no coincidences in and, and heard also as I was searching for videos on Carlton Pearson, a young lady was given a prophet a word about Carlton Pearson's death was a sign for judgment on T D Jakes. I just I just opened I'm like, oh what does that mean? I'm I'm curious. What does everybody know who T D Jakes is? T D Jakes actually was introduced to the world by Carlton Pearson at an Azusa. You know what so you know what, what Azusa what big celebration of spiritual or ministry or Christianity. So this woman was given like a ten minute prophecy about because the date that Carlton Pearson died transitioned was the beginning of a judgment on T D Jake. So then just keep your eyes open. I'm not prophesying anything. I'm just passing on what I saw by this very humble woman. And uh, she was giving this reading. So no coincidences. The fact that I don't know when uh, the ceasefire ended uh, in Middle East, but there's probably a lot of significance on that date, too, uh, that this new battle started, which I believe signals us to renew our minds and prepare for uh, the, the consciousness rising even more. Because every time, it seems like every time we hear on the, in the media about more conflict, more wars, people are just rising up and saying, no more, no more. So just keep your ears and eyes open. Be ready to shine your light. I don't think, I think Michael dropped out, but that was a beautiful uh, show, an appearance of a young 36-year-old man who's excited about Jesus. And um, been there, done that, and I'm I'm open to hear about those things, but I'm not I'm not in that realm anymore. The third dimension that to me is a third dimensional experience where you got to have a savior uh, to, be, to keep you out of hell, and that's exactly why Carlton Pearson, I believe, had uh, an introduction to more spirituality because we are in this season. This is a season of transitioning from the third dimension to fourth and fifth dimension, and there is no hell in the fourth and fifth dimension. That's why we're trying to get there, but we got people struggling in the third dimension who want to stay in this physical reality of conflict and war and battles and more that keep us out of the peaceful fourth and fifth dimension. Oh, we only have about a minute left. Do any of you? Could have, I? Uh, I've got. My, yeah, Kwame, your mic's open. Mama Z and Eddie, if you have any Greg, final words, go ahead. Okay, what Greg was talking about is that the solar maximum. There was a G1 and a G2. Those are coronal mass ejections coming off November the 30th to December the 1st in the space weather, and this is a prediction, and this is going to continue on through 2025. And so we're going to have these coronal mass ejections going to be directed at the earth. And this is what Greg was talking about. Well, there was a powerful uh, volcano eruption in Japan. Yeah, I sent that what, out on my And that caused. Is that part of. That's part of what that, that energy from the sun shifts into the planet, going directly into the planet, causing eruption. This is why Iceland is really having these volcanoes and earthquakes up there. 
because in the northern in that northern part of Earth, this is where the direct hit of the sun is hitting at. So we're going to see these changes coming about. Right, right. So so get ready, people, with being and meditation and awareness, consciousness. Right. One last caller, seven seven three four five. Your mic is open. What you have about thirty seconds or thirty? Yeah, thirty seconds. Seven seven three four five zero. Your mic is open. Take your phone off mute if this you want to speak. This is Brother Obadiah, Grand Rising, Hallelujah, greetings to everybody. I was just going to say, enjoy listening to the program tonight and enjoy the positive energy that everybody's putting out there. We got to come together and do more of this fire camp, lighting, candle lighting ceremony of sorts, lighting your (laughs) inner candle, lighting your soul candle. You can be the light wherever there is darkness. You can bring something to the table. We That's awesome. That. We, us, and our, not so much of the world, me, mine, and I, as a matter of fact, into the new paradigm, when they have war in the world, it just reminds us to put on our whole, whole armor to protect our minds from all the craziness that's fading away with these wars and stuff. The new paradigm has absolute peace. There is no poverty of the spirit. There is no war. We don't hate on each other. We're not trying to kill each other. So we need a new paradigm. I get so tired of looking at programs where people are killing that I hardly ever even watch TV anymore. Sad to say. Because there's too much true violence going on in the streets for people to be playing on TV, injecting that into the minds of other people. So... I go with peace and the nine fruits of the spirit. I'm sure you all have them too. Let's do this. Appreciate it. And and Obadiah, I thought you were grown at this point. What do you mean you hardly ever? Who has who still has a TV? Uh, please, all of us here. <laughs> all realize we joking. were born. I was joking. We we were born for such a time as this. Let us be the love. And the, the wisdom that this world needs right now. So tomorrow morning, let me just say, uh, Zelda, our Monday morning host, has got a show, and she posted it here. Let me see if I can find it real quick. Tomorrow morning, Jobs, and erroneous messages have guided our lives since birth. Truths are finally being revealed. The root of our dysfunction, what can we do about it? Brother Lionel Abdul- Joining Zelda on Monday Morning Mindfulness tomorrow, cultivation at 7 Central Standard, 8 Eastern. Thank you, Zelda. And so everybody join in tomorrow. Just Let's just continue this rising of consciousness and more love, more joy is what we need right now to overcome the psychopath, egocentric warmongers right now. So let us be the peace that is so needed right now. Thank you Thank all you. for joining me. Have a beautiful week, and we'll Thank see you. We've come to the end of our show today. 
But you can hear every show in the archives at www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash the-female-solution. You can also hear today's show on the Female Solution Facebook page. Go to www.facebook.com slash thefemalesolution. Leave your comments about today's show. You can always reach me on my website at www.naimalatif.com. That's www.naimahlatif.com. Watch our TV shows. Listen to our radio shows. Order our books. And be sure to get your copy of the book, The Female Solution. On behalf of our team of radio hosts, I'd like to thank all of you who participated in today's discussion. And to our global family listening from all around the world, we say thank you. To our family in China, Sheshe, India, Zanyaba, Japan, Alingapo, Korea, Kamsanida, Russia, Spasiba, Germany, Danke, Poland, John Kujun, France, Merci. Gracias. Italy. Grazie. Egypt. Shukran. Ghana. Medassi. Nigeria. Eshe. South Africa. Giabonga. Senegal. Jared. Kenya. Asante. Israel. Toda. Pakistan. Shukriya. Afghanistan. Tashakur. Saudi Arabia, shukran. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. Thank you. And may peace be upon you and the mercy of God and God's blessings. So see you next time on the female solution. Thank you for using Blog Talk Radio. Goodbye.